So I made it through the home inspection and I made it through the appraisal. Yay. However, my lender says that we are not going to make the closing date. How do I change the closing date? What if the seller doesn't agree with my proposed closing date? Can the seller change the closing date without my approval? Who handles the closing of my next home? Doesn't the realtor do that? When does closing actually happen? And is there danger that a backup offer could buy the house out from under me? These are all questions that we are going to talk about today as we look at the real estate closing. I'm Eric Hutchinson and I'm the principal broker and owner of Hutchinson Realty. Welcome to episode 10 of Real Estate Talk for Northwest Arkansas. I have my usual real estate colleagues today and we have another colleague that's not normally with us. So I'm really looking forward to discussing our topics. So why don't we go around and introduce ourselves? So Cole, would you go first? Hello everyone. My name is Cole Eady. I'm a realtor here with Hutchinson Realty. I've been a realtor for almost a year now and me and my wife have lived in Northwest Arkansas for almost five years. Hey Cole. Hi, my name is Sandy Wellesley, and I'm an executive broker here at Hutchinson Realty. Hi, Sandy. Hi, I'm Mindy McAlinden. I'm a realtor here at Hutchinson Realty, and my husband and I live in Centerton, Arkansas. Hey, Mindy. Glad that you're with us today. So this is our 10th episode, which is hard to believe. We missed last week because we had to do a thing called continuing education. So a lot of people, if you're not a realtor, you probably don't know the education requirements that we have. But to get a real estate license, you have to have 60 hours of pre-licensing, 18 hours of post-licensing, and seven hours of continuing education every single year. So last week we did continuing education and these poor people had to listen to me again for seven hours, which is uh, almost torture. So unfortunately um, they had to do that, but it, the good thing is it's over and they can wait another year before they do continuing ed. So but anyway, that's where we were last week. So it's good to be back uh, here. And so as usual, we're going to do the real estate weather report by Cole. So Cole, won't you tell us how many houses are for sale in Northwest Arkansas? Thank you so much, Eric. Okay, so as of today, May 23rd, 2023, there are 1,470 houses for sale in Benton and Washington counties. However, I'm only going to go over the six largest towns. Uh, our inventories in the six largest towns has actually increased this week from the last two weeks. So we will start with Bella Vista. Bella Vista currently has 177 homes for sale. Uh, the median list price is 405000 and the price per square foot is going at $198. Next, we'll do our beloved Centerton. Centerton has 107 homes for sale. Uh, the median list price is $449,000, and the price per square foot is $202. Next, we will do Fayetteville. Fayetteville has 196 homes for sale, and the median list price is going at $497,000, and the price per square foot is $209. Next, we will do Springdale. Springdale has 116 homes for sale, and the median list price is going at $468,000, and the price per square foot is $193. Next, we will do Rogers. Rogers has 152 homes for sale. The median list price is $511,000, and the price per square foot is $217. And then next, we will do Bentonville. Bentonville currently has 181 homes for sale. The median list price is $550,000, and the price per square foot is $217. And finally, with all six towns, 
There is currently 928 homes for sale, and the median list price is 472000 and the price per square foot is $205. Thank you so much, Cole. And I noticed in a little bit of prejudice here that you only mentioned beloved once you said something about <laughs> beloved Centerton. So uh, I know you live in Centerton and so, but you're giving them a little extra love. But uh, speaking of Centerton, so Mindy, you are a resident of Centerton as well. So I'm glad that we're starting to track their data. But uh, so tell us a little bit about how long you've lived in Centerton and how was your experience with buying your home there? Thank you, Eric. So I've been in Centerton for about eight years and we actually built our home. So we had a hard time finding uh, land that we liked. We wanted a very large piece of land, but we wanted it in a neighborhood. So we have almost two acres back in our neighborhood, which is really nice. But we built a home. We had a great experience with it. It took a while, but we got it done. So a lot of people don't have good experiences with building a home. Did you guys go through a realtor at all, or was it you and the builder? No, we went through a realtor. We had a great realtor. Uh, my husband moved here with Walmart, and so they set us up with a realtor, and she did a wonderful job of connecting us with a builder. We had a great builder, and uh, she stayed very involved in the process. I think it took us probably a year and a half end to end because we actually were looking for homes instead of building. And after looking for a few months, we finally decided to build. And that took uh, almost nine months. So did you already had the land when you had the builder or the builder had the land and you had to build on uh, it? Well, the builder had sold the land to someone and that person had changed their mind. And so the builder didn't own it, but he was aware of that land being available. So, and I know I'm asking you a lot of questions, but I'm just curious of how it went. Did you do a new construction loan like before the house was built and then you fed the builder the money and while did. he built it? Okay. So that's how you did So yes. I will tell you that most buyers, at least it's been my experience that they either uh, see a home that's already under construction and they decide to buy it. And then they kind of jump into that process and the, it's then on the builder's money or bankroll. They're the ones that are financing it. But if you start really from scratch, then really you have to get a new construction loan. You have to submit blueprints and plans. This is what we're going to do. And then you kind of feed them the money to the builder as we go. And then of course, whenever we close, which is what we're talking about today, it, then the final paycheck is made and you move into your new home. But that's a great experience, right? So you, that was eight years ago. You probably didn't even have real estate as far as a career goes Did on not. your radar. At did all. not. So no. why did you get into real estate? Well, you know, my kids are getting a little bit older and I've always done work from home. I've done a lot of business consulting. And so I thought this would be just a great way to kind of, I love being with people. I love helping people. And this just seemed like a really good fit to continue doing that. Well, you are in a good business and you are among great company. So uh, yes. as usual, we're going to go over to Sandy and let her tell us a little bit about interest rates. And I don't know if we're going to have good news or bad news, but I have a suspect. Yeah, I really am not good with being the bearer of bad tidings. I'm not. This is not my usual wheelhouse, but here we are. Um, as of this morning in Northwest Arkansas, you can get a conventional 30-year fixed Mortgage for seven and a quarter percent, wah, 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 which is down from, I mean, up from last week. So we're, you know, we are seeing interest rates inch up. Now you can get a conventional 15 year fixed at six and a half percent and both an FHA and a VA 30 year fixed are available at seven percent. So that's hard to hear, especially for young yes. people like Cole who don't <laughs> remember anything but 
uh, three, fours, and fives right. uh, interest rates, and then all of a sudden we're starting to see sevens come up. So, Mindy, was the house in Centerton? Uh, see, that was eight years ago, so you probably got a pretty good interest rate. But um, how many houses did you own before that time? Uh, three houses before that. Yeah. So, what's the highest interest rate you remember? I think we paid 11% on one of our houses. Wow. So, you know, the older you are, and I'm 56, and so I remember back in the 80s, my parents talking about in the teens, like 15 and 18%. I mean, just crazy interest rates. And so when we started seeing, when I bought my first house, the interest rates were at 8%, and I got an ARM, an adjustable rate mortgage for, it was actually fixed for five years, but it was seven and a half, and I thought that was wonderful. But now you see seven and a half, and you're like, Oh my gosh. So anyway, it'll be interesting to see what our market does with that and whether or not our price per square foot goes down. But hey, let's get into our topic today. So we've kind of been inching through the real estate contract, the residential real estate contract. We haven't really approached the new construction contract yet, but our real estate contract is 15 pages long. That's a long contract. And if you hear that at first, you're kind of like, wow, I didn't realize that there was that many terms that we were going to have to be dealing with. But we're getting close to the end of the contract, which means we're going to be talking about closing today. And closing is kind of a fun day, or at least it should be a fun day for buyer, seller, and agents, because that's when we get paid as well. And so it's usually uh, a good experience, or hopefully it will be. But sometimes there are some things that can throw some wrenches into that. So I threw out some scenarios out there. So a buyer, let's say that they're gone, they've gone through the home inspection, they've gone through the appraisal, and then they get notification from their lender that um, we're not going to close by the, the date that you said we were going to close. And um, that could be a problem, can it, Sandy? It really can. Yeah, you've got a lot of, there are a lot of things that are depending on that date. You know, everyone is gearing up towards that date. And when there is a fluctuation, there's bound to be disappointment. So. Right. And, and the problem that you run into is what if the seller doesn't agree with the buyer of when we're going to close? Because to change something legally, you have to have, both parties agree to that, and that can be a problem, especially when we're wanting to extend the closing beyond the closing date because people have made plans. And anyway, it becomes a little bit, it could become a little bit of a problem with that. So, um, and so Mindy, you were talking about new construction. So did you guys hit your original when you thought, so when you first started and said, okay, we're going to probably close in nine months or whatever. And so did you hit that date? We did not. We were originally supposed to close in six to seven months. So we were off by quite a bit. So what was the delay? Um, some of it was weather, right? We just kind of went through the winter months. And so some of that just got delayed. And so we had to keep going back to our rental house and saying, hey, could we just have another month or two? And we did that a couple of times. Yeah. So was there, uh, did that get old? It kept extending the, the closing day, extending the closing date? It did. It, and it got frustrating. We were in a uh, very small rental home with four children and, <laughs> and a dog. So it, it got very, very old. A little tight there, <laughs> wasn't We were it? a little yeah. tight. So Cole, do you remember on your closing of your first house, do you remember whether or not you guys kept the original date or did you change it? Oh, we kept the original date. That's that, good. Yes, sir. Yeah, the closing actually went smoothly. I couldn't have gone any better. Yeah. So I will tell you that um, 
there's a saying that says luck favors the prepared. And, um, you know, and I talk about this in my safety class all the time. I'm like, you know, oh, I was really lucky that you, uh, you know, that you decided to, uh, uh, check out the exits whenever you came to your open house. So in case there was danger, well, that really wasn't luck. You know, you planned to check those exits or, oh, it was really, you know, it was really lucky that you brought your phone with and you were able to dial 911. Well, no, I'd actually planned in case there was an emergency. I had, you know, the buttons that I was supposed to push or whatever. And so anyway, there's planning things is so important. It's the same way in real estate that we actually plan from the beginning how long it's going to take. Now, as Mindy shared, so in new construction, it's a little bit harder to hit that target. But if you have got a resale home, it's relatively um, predictable if the house is already completed and everything you can kind of say. And usually you can lean in a little bit to the lender if there's a loan involved about how long it's going to take to close. But make sure that you've given yourself a little bit of a cushion because sellers love it whenever you say, we would like to change the closing to a closer date. We would like to move the closing the closing up a little bit so that you get paid earlier. They go, oh, that sounds great. But if you say, yeah, we need to move the closing out a week, then there's, there's some problems. So I'll tell you what, let's define what a closing is and then let's talk a little bit about that. So um, the closing, and I'm reading this directly from the contract, the closing is the date and time in which the seller deli- delivers, the seller delivers an executed and acknowledged deed and the buyer's completion, signing, and delivery to seller of all loan closing documents and purchase price funds. And that's really important to be executed or delivered by buyer, the closing Buyer and seller agree that the closing date will be, and then you put the date in there in the contract. So the the thing that they changed several years ago, which was really interesting, it used to be that you could close without the purchase price funds. You could actually, everybody could sign the paperwork, and sometimes there's a delay in that closing. But they put on our contracts, and it's probably been five years now, they changed it to where it also said not only all the documents have to be signed, but the seller has to get money. Now that makes sense. You're like, well, of course. But what if you're on a Friday afternoon, the buyer is getting Quicken loans or Rocket Mortgage, that's an internet loan company, and they are wiring the money to the closing agent. And it's after three o'clock. Well, and most people don't realize, but after three o'clock, they stop wiring instructions. And it's on a Friday afternoon. The buyer has their furniture on a uh, moving truck ready to move in. And then the seller goes, whoa, 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 wait a minute, where's my money? And so that can be a problem. So Sandy, you shared something earlier um, about um, the final walkthrough, and we're going to talk about that here in just a moment too. But have you ever had a problem like what I've just described? A hundred percent, yes. We were closing, and it was a Friday afternoon, and I was representing the seller. We were doing a combined closing. This was on a property in Missouri, and... um, it was, we closed, it was probably 4.15 that afternoon. And then right after everybody signed everything, the closing agent leaned down and whispered in my ear, just so you know, the funds are being wired and they don't, they're not here yet. And my client, who was a 74-year-old widow, heard that. And she said, then I will have my keys back, please. And she took her keys back. Wow. And that was it. And nobody moved anything. 
until Monday when she got her funds. Wow. So, you know, it's unfortunate. And the poor buyers, like, I felt for them. It was a young couple. They had young children. They did literally have everything in a U-Haul parked over at the house ready to move in. But my seller didn't have her funds. And as far as she was concerned, it was not their house until she got her money. Right. So. Yeah. And that's what we run into a little bit in real estate is that, you know, making the or making it where both parties agree. And so what could have happened in your scenario is the buyer goes, well, my furniture's on the truck. We need to move in. Is it possible that I could rent the house for two days from you right. until we close on Monday? And so that might have been a compromise that may have worked or may not have worked. Well, I also think communication from the title company, had we known prior to closing that this was actually going to be an issue, then maybe we could have headed that off. Right. But to surprise a seller with that at the closing table, and this has been years ago. So this is this has been years ago. Right. To surprise someone like that at the closing table, she was not having it. It was not going right. to happen. There was no negotiation that was going to take place at that point. Right. It was not. Right. It was too late. <laughs> right. So there yeah. we go with the luck favors the prepared again. If you had been prepared and knew about that, you could have talked to your client ahead of time and said, exactly. you know, that would have been really nice. So, yeah. so that brings up another topic for me. I wanted to make sure our listeners understand because some listeners may be from another state and they may do it a little bit differently. So in some states, the closing happens at the real estate office. And in fact, the broker, the principal, principal broker of the listing firm is responsible on, I mean, whenever you take real estate, uh, Sandy used to teach pre-licensing. And whenever you take it, the broker is responsible that the, that the closing goes according to the way it's supposed to close. And so some States, the, it actually closes at the broker's office. So Cole, where do most of our transactions close here in Northwest Arkansas? At title companies. Yeah. So when do you start? Uh, when do you start communicating with the title company? Uh, I would honestly, if it was me, I would communicate with them as soon as you go under contract. Immediately, uh, you find out who the buyer wants to close with, who the seller wants to close with. With by the way, I mean years ago, Sandy, um, we almost always closed with one title company. But that all changed, and I'm gonna I'm gonna just throw a year out. This somewhere between five and eight years ago, probably closer to eight years ago, we started seeing this thing we call a split closing. And so, uh, Mindy, what's a split closing? It's when the buyer has uh, one title company and the seller has a different title company. So, do you see? And I know that you haven't had your real estate license all that long either. Um, but do you see any problems with having a split closing? Well. I think that you do have some problems. I think that um, you don't have as much communication. There's there's opportunity for things to break down. It also costs more to have a split closing. So there's a lot of issues. Yeah. So have you ever played the game? And some people call it rumor. Some people call I can't remember what some other names are. Telephone. But where, telephone. So if I whisper over here at Mindy and I say, um, Jack jumped over the candlestick. And then she turns around and, and she whispers that. And you can only whisper it once. And she says, Jack jumped over the log. Or she says something. And then she, by the time it gets back around, and, and of course, the more people that you have, the, fun, the funnier it is. Because by the time it gets all the way around the circle back, that message has totally been skewed because either they didn't hear it right or maybe someone just took it upon themselves to change the message to make it. And so 
the more people you have involved in any kind of transaction, the harder it is to get that transaction to come out the way that you want it to come out. And so I'm not a big fan of um, split closings. However, I mean, I think that there may be some justification for it, but why do you think, so eight to 10 years ago, I'm just throwing that number out there when we started seeing a lot of split closings. Cole, why do you think that we started seeing all of a sudden, because I've been in it for 27 years, what happened a decade ago or so that we started seeing more split closings? Um, maybe, maybe just because the fact that the buyer or seller just wanted to, they, you know, they had friends or knew somebody that worked a different, you know, place. Okay. That's a theory. So Sandy, do you have a theory? I, I really think it has to do with representation and who they feel is working best for them. Okay. If that makes sense. Okay. You have any theories? Well, I was, I'm not sure the timing of it, but I do know that some real estate companies have begun to have their own title companies as well. And so there might be some bias in saying, just use our title company. So if I had to ring a bell, I would be ringing it now saying, ding, ding, ding. I, that is my, so I've been doing it for 27 years and keep in mind, I mean, that's a long time, but my father, uh, been doing business for longer than that. And they've, you know, so the real estate the National Association of Realtors have been around since 1913. So it's not like this is a new, I mean, but all of a sudden we started seeing real estate companies buy out or own a title company. And it's been 10 or 15 years ago here locally uh, that they started buying these title companies. Well, guess what? It's all about the money. You know, what's a, the Tom Cruise show? You know, show me the money. It's like, it's all about the money and real estate companies. Guess what? I mean, I, and I'll be, if I owned my own title company, I don't, but if I did, I probably would be a little biased too. I'd say, Hey, we, we offer a good service and you should use that, but that makes me money. So I will tell you, it frustrates me a little bit being uh, an agent where the other agent says, Oh, my buyer would like to close at this title company. And it just so happens that that company is owned by the real estate company that the represents the buyer. So again, that is a theory. I feel pretty confident that that's what happened because we started seeing uh, these, these title companies being owned by real estate companies. And all of a sudden we started seeing split closings. So whenever I first got my real estate license, we didn't see that very often, but now we do. The thing is, keep in mind, there could be some issues with the communication. So you've got to, your realtor has to communicate with the other realtor. Your realtor has to communicate with the title company. The title company has to communicate with your client and with the other title company. So there's a whole lot of moving parts that goes into that. So just keep in mind, if you're a buyer or a seller listening to this podcast, that you have the right to choose, uh, not your realtor. Uh, but you, the client, have the right to choose. Now, you may say, well, I don't really care or no. Okay, well, that's fine. I'm just saying that you also have the right to say, hey, the seller wants to close with this title company, so we're going to close with this title company. Or if you're the seller, you can choose. Now, Sandy, what can possibly happen when we're talking about we're talking about the wire transfer? So let's say we have a split closing. Buyer closes with this title company. Seller closes with this title company. Maybe the buyer closes at noon. Okay. So does the, the buyer's title company say, okay, we've got the check uh, for the, you know, from the buyer, let's get in our car and let's drive over to the seller's title company and deliver the check. So everybody's happy. Not anymore. No. What happens? <laughs> what, what, what happens? Well, the, I, 
I'm not, probably I was not the person to ask that question, <laughs> of, honestly. But, you know, once again, there's communication between the title companies. And just because one title company has it, that doesn't mean that the other title company has it. You know, we used to, I was talking about this the other day, when we closed, we used to leave with a check. And there, that doesn't happen anymore. Right. It's all, everything is wired. Everything is, you know, electronic. And so you have to wait right. for the funds to go from not just the lender to the closing company, but from the closing company to the other closing company. So that is correct. So see, okay, I, so I, you I didn't know I was going to ask all. you the question there and you, you go. got the answer right. So uh, for I'm you listeners sorry. out there, this is, it's not live, but we don't do much editing. So uh, right. uh, we, we pretty much post it the way it happens. So I will tell you that as a broker, I've seen this happen multiple times where the buyers closed in the morning, but the title company for the buyer waited until that afternoon and, and granted they've had more than they had multiple closings. And so they waited. And then if again, after three o'clock, they have to wait till the next day to wire the money or it doesn't show up. And so again, we're talking about the way that contract reads the seller, all the signing and the seller receiving the purchase price fund. So you could actually have a separate closing in the area two two title companies and the seller not get their money in time. And so we have, as realtors, have tried to help in this solution with the split closings by not closing on a Friday, but closing on a Thursday, because then you only have to wait, you know, whatever, not even 24 hours, just, you know, till the next morning, and then you can get the money, the seller gets the money, and we can close. So we, we try to close on Thursdays if possible, but I will tell you that uh, a lot of the buyers, you know, they, they don't have to work on Saturday and Sunday. That's when they want to move, and so... That's what happens. So just if you're listening and you're saying, hmm, I'm buying a new home and it looks like we're closing on a Friday because I wanted it to close on a Friday. If you're going to be moving, your furniture is going to be in a truck, please, you know, communicate to your realtor how important it is that you guys get your money and your lender, that you get the money to the title company, to the seller's title company. It's really really important. Okay. Well, let's talk about something else, uh, in, uh, in relationship to the closing. So we're going to, this is also has to do with the home inspection a little bit. So there's a thing called a final walkthrough. Cole, what is, what's a final walkthrough? What's that mean? Uh, it's where, uh, the realtor and the clients will go through the house after the home inspection to make sure everything is, is, in good shape and everything that was needed to be fixed is fixed. So you have a, a general home inspection or a home inspection that the buyer usually pays for. And it, that has to be done within 10 business days, right? So you do it within 10 business days, but then according to the contract, it says the buyer has the right to go back into the property after the home inspection, after they submitted a repair addendum that says that we'd like to have the leaky faucet or we'd like these things done, blah, blah, blah. And so we have a thing we call a final walkthrough that allows the buyer to go back in and make sure that all the items that they requested, and even if they didn't request anything, to make sure that the property is in the same condition that it was when they did the home inspection. We call that the final walkthrough. 
So Mindy, I know I'm springing this on you a little bit, but when when would you say would be an, a logical time to do the final walkthrough? Would you say you do it a week before closing? You do it, you know, I mean, when would you do the final walkthrough? If you're representing a buyer, when would you recommend that to the buyer? I recommend that they do it the day before closing, okay. just because I can make sure that nothing changes. You know, we close tomorrow, nothing changes between now and then. And then to make sure that all repairs were made, as Cole said, make sure all those repairs have gotten made. And if something hasn't been made, I can reach out to the seller agent and try to take care of that. Right. So I'll tell you as a broker, I that is the longest amount of time that I before closing that I usually recommend 24 hours the day before. And sometimes that that that's needed. If the house is vacant or it's a new construction home, sometimes you can squeeze a few more days there. New construction can be a uh, kind of a hang up with the touch up paint and some different things like that. But I will tell you that if the seller, sometimes the seller is also purchasing their next house and they wait until the day of closing sometimes to actually move their furniture or the day before. I've actually had buyers do a final walkthrough while the seller is moving their furniture out of the house. I mean, the house is full of boxes. And the buyer says, hey, I'm here the day before. We're going to do, let's do the final walkthrough. And so they go through. The problem with that is that that's not in the final condition that the property is going to be in when the seller moves everything out. And so they, they could be moving the furniture, the moving company could be moving stuff out and then they hit the wall and punch a hole in it. I mean, there'd be all kinds of problems. I had a deal and and I, I don't think I've shared this one, but where the seller wanted to close or they wanted to give possession, which we haven't talked about yet after closing, they wanted their money and then they were going to move all their stuff out after closing. The buyer had had a bad experience before. And so they asked for a $2,500 deposit to be left just in case with the title company after closing in case there was damage to the property. Well, so day of closing, everybody closed, everybody's happy. Realtor gets paid. Everybody gets paid. Everybody's the seller gets paid. Then I think it was three days that weekend anyway the the we got a snowstorm and the seller was moving out of the house but it was a lake home driveway was a little steep and the moving truck had to park up at the street and they had to park up there so that because they couldn't get the truck down in the driveway because it was slick and so what they did is they they put ice melt all over the driveway which again that melts the ice so they could walk but the but the floors in the house it was a nice home had hardwood floors and they didn't put anything on the floors they walked in with salt ice melt all over their shoes ruined the hardwood floors and so then um, the seller moved completely out and again you would think the seller would be a little concerned of what happened but it wasn't and the buyer said well they did the final walkthrough after the seller moved out but we'd already closed the house was already their house they walked in, the floors were completely ruined. They they would not give back the $2,500, as you can imagine. The seller was upset. They actually went to small claims court to work it out. And so you can kind of see that things aren't always as cut and dry as, as we like. And so it's really important that you kind of think through this process in the very beginning, the closing. It's really important that you try to hit that date. One more scenario. So Let's say that the property, and of course, we're in a very, we're in a seller's market right now, and the property's really, really hot and uh, multiple offers, and your buyer gets the house. Woohoo! 
and you put a closing date for 30 days out or whatever, uh, you know, your lender says, hey, do this. And then for whatever reason, your lender um, says, sorry, I miscalculated and we're going to need to close a few days beyond that. And your realtor submits a closing date modification, uh, which is the addendum that we submit. And the buyer, uh, buyer, so the buyer's agent sends that over to the seller. Now, because this was such a hot property, there was a backup offer. The backup offer was for $10,000 more than the, the buyer offered that got under contract. So the seller now has the choice, according to law, has the choice that if the bu first buyer doesn't make the closing date, then immediately the second contract comes into play. Now, this doesn't happen very often. And keep in mind, the seller would, you would have to, you know, it would take another 30 days possibly to close the deal. And so it doesn't happen a lot, but it could happen. And it's so important that we hit that closing date. Now, Sandy, you had a story earlier about final walkthrough and I skipped over it. I forgot about it, but I want you to tell it because it's really an interesting story. So go ahead. Oh, that's okay. I just, this was not long after I became a realtor and there was a home on one of the lakes here in Bella Vista that sold um, beautiful lakefront home and it had gorgeous artwork hung. The ceilings were vaulted, you know, through the living area and there were tons of windows. So you had an amazing view. So, the buyers went to go do their walkthrough. This was an agent at a company that I worked for. The buyers went to go do their walkthrough after the seller had moved out immediately prior to closing. And where all of that artwork was, you can see, like, there was wallpaper. And where the artwork was, the wallpaper was not faded. But the rest of the wallpaper had faded, which was not evident until you took the artwork down. So, you know, if you think about two stories of wallpaper with, you know, faded versus non-faded squares and rectangles, it was quite a big deal. And so both parties were closing. This was way back in the day. So everyone was closing at the same title company. The sellers were in one room with their agent the buyers were in another room with their agent and the realtors were running back and forth and meeting in the hallway, trying to figure out exactly what was going to happen and how to make this good because it was such a noticeable thing. So in the end, what ended up happening is both parties agreed to remove the wallpaper and guess who paid for that? Those faithful realtors. Those faithful realtors <laughs> pay for the removal of the wallpaper yeah. to get the transaction because to the go through. Because the seller so didn't, wasn't going to pay for it? The seller was and not the buyer's going to pay like, for that. I'm not going to pay for it. The buyers had no expectation that yeah. the wallpaper would look like that once yeah. the once the paintings were yeah. removed. I mean, and it was a beautiful home. Like architectural digest, beautiful home. But once those paintings were removed, there were some evident... Lots uh, of squares yeah. on the wall. <laughs> Evident flaws there. So, wow. Yeah. So we could go on and on with stories. The longer you've been in real estate, the more stories you have. But um, it's so important that you get things right uh, whenever you're writing the contract. And I will tell you, so we're talking about closing things that you should put in the contract and even things that aren't in the contract that you should do before closing. 
So we're going to hit some of those. I'm going to mention one. So cleaning. Nowhere in our 15-page real estate contract does it say that the house has to be cleaned. In fact, it doesn't say anything about the house being cleaned. So you are relying on the seller to have common courtesy, but believe it or not, there are many sellers that don't have common courtesy or their definition of clean is not your definition of clean. So I usually recommend to buyers like, is it important to you that the house is clean? And they're like, well, yeah. I'm like, well, then let's write it in the blank item number 30 on the contract that says that you just write it in that house to be professionally cleaned and receipts to be provided. That way the seller doesn't think that they're the professional cleaners. They hire someone to do. In fact, you could even name the cleaners to, to clean it if you want to in the contract. But it's really important that if you if it's important to you to have it cleaned. Now, sometimes you can go to a home that's absolutely immaculate and you'd be like, well, I could move into it right now. And if you feel that way truly and you feel like the seller is not you know, going to have a problem in cleaning the house on their own, that's fine. But you still are taking the risk that it's not in writing. So it's better to put it in writing and to do that. But what are some other things that possibly, call? I'll go to you first, what are some things that maybe a buyer should do that's not really in the contract, but in preparation for taking ownership of that house that they should do before they move in? Uh, I would definitely make sure that everybody's on the same page as far as closing, making sure that uh, the date's right, uh, making sure that... Uh, just communication, basically. Everybody's on the same page. So let me ask you this. Whenever you moved into your house, stepped in, you just came from closing, did you um, turn on the lights? Did, uh, they, did they work? Yes, sir. Yeah. The, <laughs> Why? Because uh, we, we had to transfer, um, take ownership of, of, of the utilities for the home. Ah, so, so. you wanted water and mm. electricity. Huh? Yes, sir. Yep. <laughs> yep. I did that about... Uh, I called about a week and a half before we took ownership to make sure everything was going to be on and everything. Yeah. So. Did you have TV or internet? Yes, sir. Both. Oh, really? How yeah. did that happen? Same did way. Did the sellers pay for that? No, sadly, <laughs> the sellers did not pay for that. Wish they did. Yeah. So it's, again, you know, we as realtors think, oh, well, that's, that's, what, that's what just happens. I mean, we do that. But many times, especially first-time home buyers, and they may have come from a rental unit that, Maybe the cable came with the house or whatever. And then, so it's really important again. And if you're listening and you're a buyer, just, you know, know that most realtors will remind you of this because we deal with this. And if you've ever had a buyer uh, where I have, or where they walked and they forgot to connect utilities and then they go in, they're like, what happened to it? I was like, Oh um, yeah, you should have put the utilities in your name. Or maybe it's a, it's a Friday closing and then they move in Saturday. They licked the, they didn't, put the utilities in their name. So the electric company came out, turned it off. They moved in on Saturday, no air, no lights, no anything. So anyway, utilities are a big deal. So is there anything else that you guys can think of that maybe should be done? Go ahead, Mindy. So a couple other things is just making sure that you have all the keys and the remotes. If there's a, yeah. you know, a safe in the house to make sure you can access that. And then I also like to ask for the instructions. If you have like a watering system or an alarm system, like if you have that little instruction booklet, I could really, the new, the new owner could really use that. Yeah. Appliances. Yeah. Garage door, the code on outside, you don't want the old code. You want to change it. How do you do that? And so it would really be nice to have those instructions or those manuals, which are really good. So I will tell you in Bella Vista, we don't have any natural gas. 
but we do have propane. In fact, if you drive around, you'll see these big old 500-gallon propane tanks. And, and if the house has got gas heat like mine does, most of the time, if the tank is sitting on the ground outside, it is rented. Now, they're, some of the older houses actually bought the propane tank and they buried it. And the propane tank is buried and it transfers at closing. Which, by the way, just as a side note, the propane in the tank is considered personal property like a refrigerator or a stack of wood. And so many times the seller at closing will say, hey, we're, uh, we just put some propane in the tank. We want reimbursed for that. And the buyer's like, uh, what, excuse me? Yeah, the propane in the tank is actually, do you want me to go let the gas out? Well, no, we got to have heat. Well, uh, then you need to pay me for that. And so I actually had a closing that almost fell through because the the buyer um, refu- you know, buyer's like, I'm not going to pay for the propane. I, I don't want the propane. And she was like, if you want to go let the gas out, you go let the gas out. So anyway, you don't want those kind of conversations at closing. You don't want that. So uh, in Bella Vista, you need to make sure that the propane tank, if it's leased, that it's in your name and that you've you know, prepared for paying for the propane and all of that. So those are, again, things that you should know before you get to the closing table. There's nothing worse than being at the closing table and realizing, oh my gosh, I forgot about this, or oh my gosh, the house is not cleaned or whatever. You don't want the buyer or the seller to have a bad taste in their mouth. So one last thing that I'm going to bring up, does anybody else have anything else? Okay. So realtors do a little thing we call net proceeds. And um, if you don't know what that is, that's whenever the, the realtor maps out all of your closing expenses and says, this is approximately, if you're if they're the seller, this is approximately what you're going to net after all of your expenses. I will tell you, I've been at the table before whenever, the closing table, and the seller's like, uh, I didn't know about uh, title insurance. I didn't know, what what is this, uh, what is revenue stamps? Um, what uh, You're charging me $350 to close the title companies. What is all of this stuff? And so I have learned that it's better for me to go over that in the beginning to say, these are some things. And I always try to be very conservative in the expenses are more that way when they get to closing, it's, Oh, you told me I was going to make this, but I'm actually making this. It's be- That's a better conversation than the other way. So, and for buyers, I always recommend that they talk to their lender because the realtors don't know what fees the lenders are going to have. And they do what they call a good faith estimate. And they're very conservative <clears throat> and they will tell you exactly what your closing costs are going to be. And they estimate all of that stuff out. So make sure that you kind of know so that you're not hit with a, brick, a proverbial brick at closing, hopefully not a real brick, but you're hit with a proverbial brick at closing going, oh my gosh, I didn't realize, or, or oh, I didn't bring enough money, uh, all of those things. So those are important. So, hey, we're about out of time. Does anybody have anything else that they want to bring up? Yeah, Cole, go ahead. I, I was just going to say when we bought our house, I just remember this, that uh, our yard was mowed. And I think it's very important for like when you buy your if you know, if it's your first house or if it's your second or third, whatever, I think it's very important for the front of the house, especially to be the yard to be mowed. So it sounds like the seller did that for you. So that's really nice. But you didn't it wasn't in the contract. So right. that was a common courtesy that they did. But if you're in so we're in the end of May. So right now I just mowed my yard yesterday and it was two weeks and it was high. So I will tell you that sometimes when sellers sellers get their home under contract, they're like, I'm done. I can move on. And, and all of a sudden you do the final walkthrough with the buyer and the buyer's like, uh, did they not think they needed to mow the yard ever again while the property was still theirs? 
And so you don't want to have those conversations. So again, if it's important to you as a buyer, then have your realtor put it in that yard to be mowed, house to be cleaned. You can do those things or swing set or jungle gym to be removed that's in the backyard or whatever, if there's trash, different things. So make sure you put it in writing. That's so, so important. Well, guys, thank you so much for the great discussion. I always love these podcasts. They're fun. I hope you as a listener like uh, the discussion that we go through. If you're listening today and you think that you're ready to sell your next home or buy your next home. We have 23 agents ready to give you a detailed market report or to show you houses. We would love to work with you. You can always reach out to us at info at or you can go to our website at hutchrealty.com where you can view every listing in Northwest Arkansas and you can view all 23 of our agents and their profiles and pick out an agent that you connect with. We're all here to help you through your next real estate transaction. If you like this podcast, don't forget to leave us a positive review. Come back next week when we will continue talking about Northwest Arkansas real estate. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.